We're over in the book of Genesis, chapter 9, picking up with the origin of all the nations, dividing of the nations, and so forth. Now, we're, you all are familiar with the story of the Tower of Babel, and the Tower of Babel will occur sometime within this span of, of time that we're covering here in these chapters, but the actual story of the Tower of Babel will come later. And Noah began to be a farmer, and he planted a vineyard. Now, I'm sure that they had vineyards before. This is not the first vineyard. And they didn't just discover then about how to make wine. But at any rate, he became a farmer. Among the things he farmed, one of them was a vineyard. You know that's not all he was farming because there weren't any other farmers to rely upon. So he was basically doing all the farming. Probably he was not a farmer before. But out of necessity, there's no one else to buy stuff from. So there's no need for, if he was a carpenter, there's no, really no need to make furniture for people. <laughs> you need food. So he became a farmer, I guess, out of necessity, and he planted a vineyard, and he drank of the vine, or the bank, drank of the wine, and was drunk, and became uncovered in his tent. So they made some wine, and this, and it's, again, it's not wrong to have wine. You know, the Bible has never said anything about that. Jesus even made some wine himself, well, apart from a vineyard and, and such things. And it was kind of a normal, normal thing. But from what I understand of the wine of the Old Testament times and even into Jesus' time was the alcoholic content was so low that getting drunk was not that easy. But somehow Noah found a way to do it. How drunk he was, I don't know. It just tells us he's, he was drunk. So apparently from this one, it's pass-fail. Either you were or you weren't. <laughs> That's all there was to it. And... Um, and, and that was it. But understand, he was never exhorted for drinking of the wine. If you want to go out and have a little bit of wine, even though some religious people tell you today not to, apparently it's okay. If you chose not to, uh, that's okay as well. If you don't, you won't get drunk. <laughs> so Noah's got the, the vineyard, and we got the wine, and he drinks some of it. Apparently the other kids weren't because none of them were drunk. And Ham, the father of Canaan. Now who in the world comes up with a son's name like Ham? Apparently it's Noah. Unless that was his wife's fault. Maybe it was her, her name in him. We don't know. And Ham, the father of Canaan, saw the nakedness of his father and told his two brothers outside. But Shem and Japheth took a garment, laid it on both their shoulders and went backward covered the nakedness of their father. Their faces were turned away and they did not see their father's nakedness. So Noah awoke from his wine and knew what his younger son had done to him. Now, I heard some, a, a very popular teacher teach on this one time and talked about how what Ham did was a homosexual act towards his father. Now, my first response was to laugh at that. My current response is to still laugh at that. I don't know how, I mean, this is a pretty well-respected teacher. I don't know how in the world they ever got that out of this. But they basically took it from the fact that knew what his younger son had done to him. I think if there was a homosexual thing going on here, as open as the Bible was about it when it did happen, and judgment that would come upon people for doing so, that certainly it would have been talked about here. But it was not. And anyway, this teacher went on and began to talk about how uh, Ham had done this and most of the blame was on Ham. But actually, most of the blame on this is on Noah. First off, it's he the one that got drunk. 
He's the one who got uh, naked in his tent. Now, I don't know. I guess, you know, I, I would think if you're going to get naked somewhere in your tent, it's the best place to do it. <laughs> I, I, yeah, at least he wasn't wandering around. I mean, that's a, that is a good thing. I, so I'm not sure what the big problem was with him being naked in the tent. He's in the tent. There's not a whole lot of people around right now. So uh, maybe he just left the flap open in the tent. I don't know what it was that the problem was, but whatever it was, um, Ham was wandering on by and he, he saw the nakedness of his father. It would seem that it's purely accidental, but why Ham was looking into his father's tent, I don't know. Maybe, you know, dad's getting up there in years. Maybe he's just checking on him. I knew he was drunk. want to make sure he didn't fall off the bed or something like that. Maybe he's just out there checking on him. We don't know what it was. And apparently it wasn't real important because the Bible didn't put it in. And the Bible didn't put anything in there about any homosexual acts, so I'm not going to try and teach you on that. If any hear of anybody who does teach on such things, just know there really is no basis for it. None that we can see, unless you want to infer a whole lot of stuff in the Scripture and then make something out of it from there. But Shem and Japheth took a garment and laid it on the, both of their shoulders and went backward and covered the nakedness of their father, and their faces were turned away, and they did not see their father's nakedness. My response was, why not just close up the tent? <laughs> Accomplishes the same thing. I think that's perfectly acceptable. But this is what they did anyway. And Noah woke from his wine and knew what his younger son had done to him. How Noah knew that? I don't know. Apparently he wasn't too drunk. He was able to recall and remember and so whatever it was, we then have the blessings, so to speak, that he puts upon his sons. But it's important for us to know what came before this in order to understand some of the things that he said. Then he said, Cursed be Canaan, a servant of servants. He shall be to his brethren. And he said, Blessed be the Lord God of Shem. And may Canaan be his servant. May God enlarge Japheth. And may he dwell in the tents of Shem. And may Canaan be his servant. Now, this is a prophecy that he makes concerning his uh, son Ham. Ham has the son Canaan, but he speaks this pretty much against Canaan, it would seem, from all this. But it just seems to me like sour grapes. Like Noah is upset with what Ham done, so I'm going to prophesy against you. But there's been a whole lot of stuff made out of this. And maybe stuff that shouldn't be have been made of of this, but it really seems that what he is putting on is not on the descendants of Ham, but on the descendants of Canaan. Because Ham had other sons. And we'll get into some of those sons and all the ones that are there, but he doesn't say cursed be Ham. He, for some reason, goes after Canaan. Again, it wasn't even Canaan, it was in the tent. It's Ham was in the tent. And Ham uh, stumbled upon it. It's, it's Noah's fault. To me, this, this whole story looks like Noah did something he shouldn't have done put himself in a position he shouldn't have been in and then yelled at people for what they did. I always loved that about people because we always see that. We get to see that a lot with folks. Some people create really nasty situations in their life. And we watched either Connie and I, we've helped them out or some of, we watched some other people go in there and help them out. And then afterwards, they stand in judgment about how well you helped them out. I'm thinking, what were you doing getting in that situation in the first place? Any help you get, you ought to be grateful for. But they aren't. They're sitting there saying, well, you should have said it this way or if you would have done this this way and you should have gone over and done this. And it's like, what in the world are you talking about? We'll just leave you alone next time. 
some folks. You just got to wonder about them. But he says, Cursed be Canaan, a servant of servants, he shall be to his brethren. So what he basically pronounces is, Upon Canaan, well, he will be a servant to his brothers. Does Canaan become a servant to his brothers? No, Canaan becomes one of the powerhouses in the region. They're one of the strongest. The giants are in the land of Canaan. They, they become one of the strong ones. They don't ever really become a servant. Now, when Israel does eventually come into the land, they are supposed to wipe them out. Some of them they make into servants. But that doesn't really seem to be all that the prophecy is about. And it sure doesn't happen out of that. But we'll get more into, into some of this here in a minute. And he said, Blessed be the Lord God of Shem, and may Canaan be his servant. Well, that's real descriptive. Blessed be the Lord God of Shem, and may Canaan be his servant. So Shem's going to be the godly line, I guess. And that's really what it uh, ends up. It's not really like that Shem is the godly line. There's godly lines in all three sons. It's just that Israel comes out of the descendants of Shem, which eventually is Jesus. And may God enlarge Japheth, and may he dwell in the tents of Shem, and may Canaan be his servant. Now, again, I'm going to be real cautious about taking anything that Noah is saying here. I understand there's a whole lot of stuff in the Word of God that is not inspired by God. It's inspired by people. And Noah just came out of a junk, drunken stupor. And he's going to come out and say the words of God? Really? And we're going to hang on these words? Because he's Noah? Why is it that we're hanging on the, why do we count these words that he's saying as being important? And really he's not saying much. He's saying, Canaan, I'm mad at you because of your father, so you're going to be a servant. And Shem, well, God be blessed, your, your God be blessed, and let Canaan serve you. And the most specific thing he says is, may God enlarge Japheth. Wow. That is so deep. God enlarge. Wow, what does that mean? I have no idea. But whatever happens, that's what it is. <laughs> so be real careful about this. Don't go in comparing this to some of the other uh, patriarchs who, who spoke the words of God as when Joseph put his hands on his sons and prophesied that the older was going to be greater or smaller than the younger and the younger was going to be greater than he. Or some of the words that uh, some of the other ones have said over their sons who said it out of the inspiration of God. Do not confuse this with that. This is a man who's upset. He's mad. And if anything, it is a prophecy of sorts out of the flesh. So anyway, now you know what I think about Noah's words. <laughs> but I think it's important for us to know that because some real interesting things have been taught out of Noah's words and, and we're going to get into some of them. And Noah lived after the flood 350 years. And the days of Noah were 950 years. And he died. So apparently he still lived there, up there pretty good even though the uh, covering over the earth is gone. But of course the lifespan of the people are going to be greatly diminished from here. Now this is the genealogy of the sons of Noah. Shem, Ham, and Japheth. The sons were born to them after the flood. And the, the sons of Japheth were Gomer, Magog, Madai, Javan, Tubal, 
Meshach, and Tiras. The sons of Gomer. Now those were the sons. Now we're getting to the grandsons. The sons of Gomer were Ashkenaz, Riphath, Tagarma. The sons of Javan were Elisha. I'm sorry. I don't even see that right. Yeah, I guess that's the best way. I'm thinking the other way, but it, it is Elisha. Elisha. <coughs> Tarshish, Kittim, and Dodanium. From these, the coastlands people, the Gentiles, were separate into their lands, everyone according to his language, according to their families, into their nations. The sons of Ham, well, let's go into the, these uh, first descendants here. We're given a lot of the grandsons, more, more of the grandsons than we are of any of the other ones. And I wrote these in, and this is just for your future reference if you ever want to get back here and take a look at this. But uh, Japheth was basically the father of the Greeks, the Assyrians, uh, and, I'm sorry, the Aryans of India. Gomer, these are the people living in the area of the Black Sea, Germany, and Wales. Magog is a reference to God referring to Georgia, the region near the Black Sea and the Scythians. Of course, we see Magog being prophesied about in the uh, end times. <coughs> Madai, the Medes or the Persians. Uh, Japheth through Madai, father of the peoples of India. Javan, the people of Greece and Cyprus. Tubal, the Russian city of Tobolsk. Meshach, the Russian city of Moscow. Tiris, the Trashian, boy, I can't even say that. Tracians, possibly the Etruscans of Italy, Ashkenaz, Germany, Armenia, and Scandinavia, Denmark, the Northern Irons, Islands of Europe, and Europe and European West Coast. <coughs> now, um, Japheth's sons, and later on we're going to have these uh, classified into nations and, and races. We all know that how many different races do we have in the world? There's quite a few, but uh, they say that in class, as far as classifications, they put them all back into three. Three classifications. That is the Caucasians. I wrote them all down so I, or I wrote all three of them down so we wouldn't get them. We have the, and, and Japheth is the father of what they consider to be the Caucasian race. Shem is the father of the Mongoloid race. And Ham is the father of the Negroid race. So basically, Ham. The most of his, not, not all, but most of his descendants are of the of what we consider the African-American black. Japheth, the white or the Caucasian. And Shem would be the Oriental um, of uh, the um, Mongol. I don't know how else you'd, you'd put that in there, but uh, Oriental and, and some others in, in that area. So they're kind of knocking them all down to those three. But even amongst Orientals, we divide them up into different kinds of races. And, and Caucasians get divided up into other kinds of, of races. And, and so we have it all broken down that way. But we still all came from the same stock. There was nothing different from there. But most of these nations are, are going to come out. Now we're going to look into some of the reasons why that happened. But one of the things that is brought up under the curse that, uh, that had been had been done here was because that Ham was the one who came in and saw his father's nakedness and he had uh, said upon him that there would be uh, slavery. He would become a servant 
to the other, the other two, that that is why the black people were allowed by the Bible to be slaves. Have you ever heard that taught? Boy, is that the most ridiculous thing in the world? Because really what Noah does is he comes out and he specifically says Canaan. And we, what happened to the Canaanites? They got wiped out. They're dead. <laughs> the God had pronounced the judgment upon the Canaanite rice and they're all gone. They're all dead. That is not. And again, we're having the ramblings of a drunken man on the day after. Why in the world do we put so much stock into what he says? Because it's written in the Word of God. That's the only reason. But I'll tell you what, you got, you got to look at this whole thing. Noah is not following in the way that he should. He's not walking in the way that he should. And he's getting himself drunk and then he gets mad at people and how they operated while he's out there being naked. So I don't put a whole lot of stock into the things that Noah just said. But there are people who taught that and actually went out there and said it was okay for this kind of stuff to go on. And it was not. But that's what they try to do. So if you ever hear people teaching that, that's where they get it from. They get it from the ramblings of a drunken man. So if you ever hear somebody teaching that, you just say, well, you believe the ramblings of a drunken man then. Go ahead. Hmm. So anyway, this is Japheth's descendants. And these are the folks. So you're, you're looking at Japheth's descendants. They basically go into the side of Europe. They basically go up into the area of Russia. Now, the Europeans... Were they God-fearing people? No. <laughs> they were not. They were nasty people. Horrible people. How about the Russians? No. No. Germ- no. <laughs> we do not have a whole lot of God-fearing people there. But they did eventually get c- converted. And the event- gospel eventually did get in there and, and Europe turned its way around. But Europe was not very godlike. Even at times when they accepted religion, they were still not very godlike. And the Russia, the area of Russia, I don't know when in their history they've ever, and they have always had some sort of religion. Do you remember? I, I, I'm not sure if I told the story here or not. Rick Renner has given us the history of uh, of uh, Russia and when they made that beautiful cathedral with the seven uh, seven towers. Have you ever seen that up in Moscow? Have you ever heard the history of that? Terrible history, that I think. Uh, this guy who, um, was, I think it was Ivan the Terrible. I remember it was Ivan the Terrible. And he uh, wanted this beautiful cathedral for the religion that they had. Now, I understand that they didn't really follow the religion. They just had a religion. So he wanted this beautiful cathedral. So he hired the best architects and the best builders. And so when he got the architects and they drew this, this thing and then he got the builders and they had the, the builders all done and, and he had conquered seven tribes in that area. And so when it came for the day of dedication, he brought the architects out and he plucked out their eyes. He said he he was afraid that they would be able to design something better than this particular uh, building. He wanted this to be the best building, the best looking building in the world. And so he plucked out the eyes of the architects. He killed the guys who uh, built it so they couldn't go out there and build anything better. And then he brought out the seven kings or the seven uh, leaders of the tribes that they had uh, conquered. And for each pillar, they dedicated it. And for each one they came up with, they chopped off the head of one of the kings in dedication. This is their main cathedral in Moscow. How do you like that for religion? 
Uh, they've not been much better in, in all of their, their history and uh, throughout the world wars. And they, I mean, they, we had a lot of focus on Germany and the number of Jews that they had, had uh, massacred. But Stalin was not far behind. He was not to be left behind by, by uh, Nazi Germany at all. In fact, I believe Stalin exceeded what Nazi Germany had done. I'm told that in one year in the area of U the Ukraine that they starved 6 to 10 million people. They starved them to death. I was watching a, a, one of those documentaries on, on this part and they said that they would come on the homes. There were so many people dying. They would come and they would knock on your home and say, who is anyone dead here? And uh, uh, no, there wasn't. But if somebody was half dead, they would look at them and say, well, we don't want to come back tomorrow. And they would grab them. And they would throw them into the mass grave alive. And they, uh, people would write and they would say the ground was moving that they would, uh, as they threw the dirt under these, these people. That's how nasty this fo these folks were up there in, in Russia. Just, uh, and this, they did, this is just one nation, the Ukraine. That's, not, that's uh, leaving out Poland and the massacre that they did with people there and other nations that they had uh, taken over. So we had some horrible dictators up in all those, those regions. These were not God-fearing folks at all. They were, um, of course, they went out into the area of Europe. And Europe is pretty much the uh, home country for our country. And of our country, of um, uh, in the, even Germany, Germany, European and uh, American scientists and so forth are pretty much responsible for some of the greatest advances in civilization and and some of the things that have been done there. So if that's him becoming great. But again, you could, it could be anything. And I'm not looking to try and make Noah's prophecy fulfilled. I'd just as soon throw it out as the ramblings of a drunken man. And I'm not going to sit here and study it all out and figure out what all happened in it. Cause I, I just think he's, he's mad at somebody and he's prophesying accordingly. You should never have an inspiration of godly prophecy when you're mad at somebody. That just shouldn't happen. So anyway, these are, are these folks that ca that came out of here. Um, did we cover all of them? No, we we left off a uh, repath. Generally, uh, Europe, the Carpathians. Boy, I can't tell you. Mm. Paphlagonians. There we go. Tagamath, the Armenians, Germany and Turkey. Elisha, the Greeks. Tarshish, Spain, Carthage, and North America, Africa. Kittim, Greeks, Cyprus, and Macedonia. Dodanium, Greeks, Rhodes, and the Dardanelles. I've never even heard of them before. I don't know if any of you all have. <laughs> but these are the folks that came out. We have a lot of more detail over the uh, sons of, of uh, Japheth than we do over the rest of them. Uh, we pick up them with the descendants of Ham. This is, of course, the ones that uh, Noah sowed. At least Canaan, anyway, was going to be servants. The sons of Ham were Cush, Mizraim, Pur, and Canaan. The sons of Cush, now we're only, we have four sons, but only three were given grandsons for, or son, their sons, too. The sons of Cush were Seba, Havila, Septa, Ramah, Seb. Tetra, and the sons of Ramah were Sheba and Dedan. Cush begot Nimrod. He began, 
he began to be a mighty one on the earth. He was a mighty hunter or warrior before the Lord. Therefore, it is said, like Nimrod, the mighty hunter before the Lord. And the beginning of his kingdom was Babel, Erech, Akkad, and Kana, in the land of Shinar. Now, we spent time on this before with Nimrod and Babel and Shinar and the things were going on there. He was not a mighty hunter before the Lord. He started his own religion. And it was a mimic of, the, of uh, what Jesus Christ was going to come and do. That's why you know that uh, the plans of Jesus were not unknown to Satan because he mimicked it back here in Nimrod. Nimrod had a wife and the idea was that her son was, a, was an immaculate conception and that he uh, either died or came near death. I believe they say that he died and that he uh, came back to life. And so there's a lot of things that are associated with, with that. We've taught on that aspect of the false religion before, but Nimrod was a nasty guy. He started a false religion. He abused people. He began to start his own kingdom. It said that he taught people how to put uh, walls up in, uh, around cities to be uh, protected, and those who were under him, he would have this, this go on and be done. But it seemed that ever since the prophecy that Noah gave, that Ham had a bit of resentment from it. And it would seem that he passed this off to Nimrod because Nimrod basically says, I am going to be servant to no one. They will be servant to me. And he went out and conquered people to make them his servant. So this little thing that Noah fired off caused a whole lot of problems. In my mind, anyway, he shouldn't have been doing it. So we had Cush. And Cush, uh, Nimrod came from the son, from the, his son Cush. We have that uh, Cush was the progenitor of various Ethiopian tribes that settled south of Egypt and also overran Arabia, Babylonia, and India. Those would be the area of Cush. Mizraim was a uh, his uh, his descendants went on various Egyptian tribes. the The name means double. Tribes of the double Egypt, upper and lower Egypt, called the land of Ham, came from him. The Philistines also came from Mizraim. Now the Philistines were opposite those in in Canaan. They were amongst those, and as far as Israel's enemies go, they had enemies as far as Canaan was concerned, the Canaanites, but they also had enemies as far as the Philistines were. So the Philistines came from one, one race, and the Canaanites came from another. Another race or descendants. So this is Mizraim. We have a foot. He was the, uh, his sons went into the, the area of Libya, the Libyans and the other tribes in northern Africa. So the area of Africa is very much in Egypt, very much populated by Ham. Uh, Canaan. He's the he's the his sons are primarily settled in Palestine, Arabia, Tyre, Sidon, and other parts of the land promised to Abraham. And these nations are often mentioned in connection with Israel. So Canaan and his and all those descendants are enemies of Israel. Philistia, enemies of Israel, but of course just about everybody is enemies of Israel. The Syrians. The um, uh, Gog and Magog are going to uh, come in the big, big enemies of Israel in the, in the latter times. The Greeks became enemies of Israel. The Persians became enemies of Israel. There pretty much was not a race of people on the earth that had not at one point in time become an enemy of Israel. <laughs> it just seems like they all had, had gone in that way. But then again, that's because they were 
of the godly line. So these are the ones that we have of, of Ham and the area the, of his descendants. And we'll look, uh, we're going to look more as to how they all split up because that's really the, the most impacting part of this whole, whole aspect. Where do we leave off at? 10? From the land, he went up to Assyria, built Nineveh, Rehoboth, Ur, Kala, and Racine between Nineveh and Kalat, that is the principal city. Mishram begot Ludam, Anin, Anamim, Lathabim, Naphtuhim, and so forth, all the way on down to Philistines. We already went all over all those windows and going through it. Yeah. Let's head on down to verse 21. And the children were also, and the children were born also to Shem, the father of all the children of Eber, the brother of Japheth, the elder. Now this part here, all the children of Eber, what in the world does that mean? Eber is the Hebrew mean, word that means across or on the opposite side. It refers to the other side of the Euphrates. So what it means is that Shem became the father of all those on the other side of the Euphrates. They went in, uh, I guess it would be the eastward direction. The sons of Shem were Elam, Ashur, Aphaxid, Lud, and Aram. The sons of Aram were Uz. You all remember some of these uh, names that we're going to become familiar with you. Hal, Gather, Mash, Aphaxid, begot Selah, Shalah, I'm sorry, Salah, begot Eber. To Eber were born two sons. The name of one was Peleg. What happened with Peleg? In his days, the continents were divided, or the land was divided. The earth was divided. And his brother's name was Joktan. Now, this is, this is significant here. This is the part that's, that's real significant. We're not getting into the Tower of Babel just yet. The Tower of Babel will come later, but the Tower of Babel happens within the time frame of these chapters. When Genesis lays out the formation of the earth, it is called Eden. And eastward in Eden is the garden. But Eden is the earth. It is not the garden. It is that whole continent is there. And in Peleg's day, this continent, this whole large group here, was divided. Now we looked at the local, local division that caused Eden to be separated and the rivers to be lost. We've looked at that before. But people who look at the continents as they are see that they really would fit together. If you take the Americas, they certainly could fit in with the Euro uh, European continent and the African continent. You can see how they all can kind of mesh together. What this actually seems to have been when Pelegs in his day when they were divided was this. You have nations begin to be forming and they begin to spread out into different areas. But they are staying amongst their own family. The, the family of, of uh, Ham goes one direction. The family of Shem goes in another direction. And, uh, and Japheth goes into a, a third direction. And as they head on out there, they have set up camp in, in Babylon. I didn't go over this part for you, but from Ararat, Noah actually migrates back from there, back to his home area, which I believe is uh, southeastward. And he heads back to his home area. They had somehow recognized where it was they were and needed to go. And they marched on down. And then from there, they began to spread out again. Then we had the Tower of Babel incident where God says, man can do anything they want to. At least they think they can. 
So we're going to split them up. And they made all these languages go on. And it would seem that the languages stayed, that family members seemed to speak the same language. And so they all kind of stayed together. And so this language spoke the same over here and this one over here. And they began to migrate in areas where they knew where they spoke. They knew the language they spoke, but seemed to have kept the families together and pushed the families into a, a closer relationship with each other and not so much integrating into the others. And then to make sure that there were separation of people, God separated the continents. And in the days of Peleg, the continents were separated. How many times have you heard debate, why are there people in North America? Why are there people in South America? How did they get there? We didn't have boats that could traverse the, the oceans. How did people get over into Austria or Australia? How did they get into New Zealand? How did they get into these places? It's simple. They were all in one place. And they began to push themselves on outward. And after they pushed themselves outward enough, God said, now we're going to have languages. And that kept uh, the groups kind of pocketed where they, they stayed amongst here, here because they all spoke the same language. They were part of the same family. And then God took the continents and broke them all up. And this continent went this way and this continent went this way and this continent went this way but the people were still on it. And so that guaranteed that those group of people would stay isolated from this group of people at least for a good long while. And so you have a lot of the similar gene pools in each of these sections. Some gene pools that would have uh, either you know, blue eyes or brown eyes or blonde hair or whatever. All those different things. And it, it seemed like they began to, uh, because they could match up a lot better as they were within certain families, then that's how different things happened. That's how we got different skin colors because they were all the same skin color. We are all of the descendants of Noah. But somehow it seemed that through all this that that had gone on. But the continents were broken up during this time. And so Africa broke off from where it was. Now, it didn't break off as far as the North, North American and South American continents did. They really seemed to have gone, gone further. And Australia didn't quite head as, as far. And how God made them move as far as they did, as fast as they did, that's up to God. But that would seem to be why we have people. And, of course, they have the thing that they just walked across Alaska when it was frozen. I don't know about you, but I don't know if I'm making that trek. I'm thinking it's cold up there. I'm going down this way. I like God's explanation of the whole thing a little bit better. In the days of Peleg, the earth was divided. But it was divided with people still on it. And things just began to separate and to go their own way. But every single group of people had their roots in Noah. Every group of those people had the same stories that were passed down about how God preserved man through the flood, how God was God. And all the things that Noah passed on to his sons and their sons after them and their sons after them, they all had access to them. Some continents ignored it and some held on to it. And so you have some areas that forgot about God. Some areas that clung to Him and learned more and more about Him. But that's where you're going to get the grouping of nations, the separation of continents, and the formation of uh, different races and such things as that. So by separating the continents, you have that group of people separated from the rest of society, the rest of the world for a long period of time before interaction would ever happen again. Left off 25. To Eber were born two sons. The name of the one was... We already went that. Joktan begot Amadad, Shelef, Hazarmaphath, 
Jareth, Hadoram, Uzal, Dekla, Obal, Abimel, Sheba, Ophir, Havilah, Jobad, all these were sons of Joktan, and their dwelling place was from Misa, as you go toward Sephar, the mountain of the east. They were the sons of Shem, according to their families, according to their languages and their lands, according to their nations, according to their languages. So it just identified that we do not have a world of one language. That the Tower of Babel happened probably before the days of Peleg. So that the, the languages were broken up before the continents were. These were the families of the sons of Noah according to the generations of their nations. And from these, the nations were divided on the earth after the flood. So this is the division of people. Uh, Shem, as far as his descendants were, Elam, he had, his descendants were, uh, they settled near the, near the Persian Gulf. Asher, the father of the Assyrians. Arphaxad is the uh, father of the Israelites, Arabians, Edomites, Moabites, Ammonites, Ishmaelites, Midianites, and the other tribes of Asia. Lud is the father of the Lydians of Asia Minor and Ludum of Chaldea and Persia. And Aram is the father of the Armenians, later called the Syrians. And so these are the groups of people that we that we have out of this. This is how the nations were separated. This is how the nations were formed. This is how the different races came about. Exactly how we got all the races that we did is right now our best guess. And the, the gene pool thing is certainly a, a, something that could happen. God could have intervened and done some things on the whole thing. We don't know. But however it was it came about, we still know this. We all came from Noah. If we did not all come from Noah, we have no legitimate right here. Because anything that was brought in outside of the birth of Adam was had to be eliminated. And that's why the first flood came. And then when the next group of uh, angels came on down and brought in some more, they had to be eliminated too. And that's why the Canaanites and the giants had to be removed. God only wants people on the earth that are 100% human blood. That's it human race. So anything that wants to be taught that any one person or any group of people is less than another, any teaching that wants to come out of Noah's profound statements over his sons is ridiculous. And we we can't hold water into that. We're all created equal. We all have God as our Father. I love how our Constitution forms it out that we're all equal. And we all have the same amount of rights and these rights are given to us by God. Not by a government, but by God. Thank God for that. Thank God for founding fathers who learned those things. You all remember when we saw that uh, video that um, Keith brought in and how many of the founding fathers spoke of preachers and, and preachers from many different races, several different races, who uh, taught things from the Word of God and how they integrated them into the Constitution and the things of the founding of this nation. I'll tell you what, I thank God for the way that our, our country is, the founding that we have. 
those documents are special. We need to guard them with everything that we can because they've been under attack for years. But they were founded on the principles of God's Word that all men are created equal and all men have certain malleable rights. Thank God for that. Our most important document we have, though, of course, is the Word of God. And we should know it. But you ought to get yourself a copy of the Constitution. And if you haven't read that in a long time, you ought to just read it. Find out what it is that uh, we have a right to in this country. But the same way that the Constitution gives us rights in this, this place, the Word of God tells us what our rights are here in this, in this earth. So this is the founding of the nations. This is the separation of continents. This is how all the different nations came about and why it is that we should not look upon any other nation, any other race of people, and look down upon them for their heritage, for their differences here. It makes no difference. China does some things as far as society is concerned. Thailand does some things as far as society is concerned that we may not like or may not enjoy. It's not part of our culture. And as long as it's not uh, worshiping the devil, idolatry and stuff like that, well, that's, that's fine that they go on off and do that. But of course, some of these nations have adopted a lot of paganism and, and things of that nature in there. And uh, I'm not going to necessarily honor and revere that. But we can't ever get to that place where we look down <laughs> upon other nations, upon other groups of people. We all came from one, Noah, and from three, his three sons after that. But we all have ties into, into that area. So this is the breakup of it. This is why the genealogies are in here. This is all pretty much to show you the descendants of Abraham, where they came from. We just got into the, uh, some of his um, uh, fathers and saw how they uh, came on down. Any questions or thoughts on, on any of this? And I know this is uh, probably not the most exciting of all the stuff in Genesis, but God still thought it was necessary for us to know it and to have it in there.